Good morning. Happy Mother's Day. It's such a privilege to be talking on a day where I have loads of mother figures across this room. So love being in church on Mother's Day. I've got my sister-in-law on FaceTime in Australia. So hey, Meg. (laughs) Okay, back in the room. So I'm a bit distracted. Um, Today's Mother's Day. Today is a day where we'll probably go out from here and celebrate. We'll have a great day. But I'm aware that today for some people is a painful day. Maybe you're in church today despite it being a painful day for you. And that is so brave. I want to say thank you to you. I want to say thank you that maybe this isn't the first place you'd like to come today, but you've showed up. That is so brave. Maybe you're in the room today and you don't know your biological mum. Or maybe you have a bad relationship with your mother. Or maybe you... Your mum is ill. Maybe you've longed to be a mum your whole life and that hasn't yet happened. Maybe your mum has died. Something that I have learnt from my own life and experience of pain is that pain will polarise us. Pain will either push us towards God or it will take us further away from the things of God. And I've watched friends in church when faced with pain walk away from the things of God when faced from pain, walk away from the purposes and the promises that God has placed on their life. And that's broken my heart to watch. And so I pray that today what I share would help us as individuals respond to pain well. The Bible says, Jesus says in fact, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. So we're gonna have trouble, but take heart. Jesus has overcome the world. We've got to know how to respond to pain. We've got to know how to respond in a way that will take us closer to God and not further away. There's got to be a generation rise up that says, I am going to declare the goodness of God even in painful seasons. So God, I pray this morning that as we come and we gather, Lord, that you would speak this morning, Lord. We're here to hear your voice this morning, Lord, and so I pray, God, we would hear from you. I pray that as we go, we would look at our pain maybe and our trouble differently. God, would you equip us this morning to respond to pain well, I pray. Amen. So I'm going to be preaching from a story which is found in Genesis. So in the Old Testament, the story is about a couple. Their names are Sarah and Abraham. And they lived thousands of years ago. Sarah and Abraham were a couple who knew much pain in their lifetime. They lived in this kind of in-between place of the reality of where they were, of having no children. They longed for a child. And in between that and the promises that God had spoken over them, saying, I am going to give you many children. They lived in this kind of tension. And when they were alive, having children was really valuable. If you didn't have a child, you'd have no heir to pass on your assets to. You'd have to give your things maybe to a servant. So it was super, super valuable to have children. Abraham is significant, many of us know, for his great faith. And sometimes we can look at significant people and think, oh, wow, they have it all together. They had everything. But actually, Abraham faced a lot of pain. I'm going to talk through three things that I believe we can learn from the way that they faced their pain. Three things that I believe... Um, they did well in facing pain. The first thing is found in Genesis chapter 13, if you're following along. 
God said to Abraham, I will make your offspring like dust of the earth, so that if anyone could count the dust, then your offspring could be counted. God is speaking to a guy who has no children, and he's saying, you are going to have many, many offspring. God then says to him, go walk through the length and the breadth of the land, for I am giving it to you. Go walk through it, for I am giving it to you. And that really challenged me. Because I thought, wow, God doesn't say, when you get there, when I have given it to you, then you must walk in it. But he says, walk first. We have got to walk before we get there. We've got to walk through the promises of God. So the first thing that I've learned from Abraham and Sarah, and it's the first blank in your notes, is that we have got to walk it. We have got to walk out some of the things that God has said over us before they come to being. At Christmas time, here at C3, we do a staff secret Santa. Josh, my husband, and I are both on staff. And so this year we thought, okay, we want to get a random gift. We don't want to get a mug or a box of chocolates or a hot water bottle. Lovely as they are, we're a bit fed up of gifts that you would kind of (laughs) re-gift. And so we said, let's get a really random gift. The limit is £10, so it was a bit of a challenge. Josh managed to find a Ryanair flight to Romania for £4.99 and a Ryanair flight home for £4.99. And so he booked the ticket for Sandra Roper, who heads up our operations team, and she actually went. For one night, she went to Romania. (laughs) Ridiculous. But I thought, wow, Josh can't win. In our house, I do gifts. So when it's Christmas, when it's birthdays, I love doing the gifts. So I thought, I have to win. And I decided I was going to buy the person I had a goldfish. So (laughs) I went to Pets at Home down the road, and I thought buying a goldfish was super easy. I thought, like, when I was young, I went to the fun fair, and you'd win fish. I don't know if anyone else, yeah. So you'd win a fish, so I thought, oh, no problem, I'll go the day before, I have to give it away, and I'll go buy a fish. So I went to the shop, and this lady, she literally interviewed me. She was like, what tank have you got? What filter do you have? What food do you have? Where's this fish going to live? I was like, oh my gosh, I'm being interrogated about this fish. I didn't think she was going to let me take this fish home. But she did, she let me take the fish home. And then I got this little fish home, and I went crazy. I was literally coming down in the night to check on this fish. I was like, it must stay alive for one night before I give it away as a gift. I even texted around our family chat and I said, can you just pray tonight that this fish stays alive? (laughs) The fish, amazingly, is still going. Dylan, who's our centre manager here, um, he got the fish and he's still got the fish, so well done. Um, But the lady at the pet shop, she said something that really spoke to me. I'm going somewhere with this. Promise, there's a point. Um, She said to me, fish keep eating and their insides keep growing, but their owners don't replace their tanks so that their outsides can grow into their surroundings. And I was like, gosh, that can be like us sometimes. We can stay in our small tanks. We can keep feeding on God's word and on, on God's truth, but we don't sometimes move into a bigger tank, into our bigger surroundings. And God calls us to get into bigger tanks. God is saying to Abraham, you may not have all that you are asking for yet, but step into it. Walk into the promise that I've given to you. Get into a bigger tank. And it might be scary. 
It's going to be bigger. It's going to be less comfortable. But walk into it. It's a decision and an action to buy a bigger tank. The Bible says that we walk by faith and not by sight. And I looked up the definition of faith this week. It says complete trust or confidence in someone or something. We therefore cannot live a life of small faith because the definition of faith is complete trust in someone. God is saying to Abraham, as you walk in faith, you are claiming my promises for your family. Walking is an outward response. It's an action. We've got to activate our faith. So I want to challenge you. What are your actions saying? What is your response to pain? Is our faith and our actions, are they aligning or is there a disconnect between the two? Because in pain and challenge, our faith is tested. Maybe you're here today and you're wrestling between what your actions are and what your faith is prompting you to do. I want to encourage you to keep on walking in faith. Fix your eyes on Jesus, because as you do that, they are lifted off your circumstance. Psalm 139.16 says, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. God knows exactly what we're facing today. God knows exactly what we're going to face tomorrow. Nothing phases our God. So we have got to walk it knowing that, God, you've got this. Genesis goes on to tell us that God spoke to Abraham again. In chapter 15, God says to Abraham, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield. I am your great reward. And Abraham replies saying, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? God is saying, Abraham, I am all you need. Come to me. I am everything you could need. And Abraham replies saying, but God, what about this? I haven't got this thing that I think I need. And as a society, we can so often be full of what we do not have. Do you actually believe today that God is all you need? As you get up each morning, do you believe, God, whatever happens in this day, you are all I need? Abraham says, but God, what are you going to give me? And in seasons of pain, I think we can forget to cry out to God. In this chapter, you know, Abraham's in a real strop. He's in a real mood with God. But by the end of the chapter, he begins to believe the promises that God is speaking over him. And when we go to God with our stuff, even our moods, God changes our language. God changes the way we see things. God will change us as we go to him. Do you know it's okay to go to God sometimes and say, God, I'm not okay with this. He wants that ongoing communication. So the second blank in your notes and the second thing that I've learned from Sarah and Abraham's story is that we've got to talk it. After being a Christian for about six months, my mum felt very ill. She was in hospital. And I remember during that time thinking, God, where are you? I was so angry at a God that I just accepted into my life could let this happen. I'm like, God, where are you? And I was furious, actually, at God. But, you know, even though I was angry at God, he carried me through that situation. 
I felt peace like I have never felt before. And so it's okay to go to God, whatever circumstance you're facing. It's okay sometimes to say, God, this is how I'm feeling. He can take our attitudes. God is, can take it. Our words are not just for communication, but they're for creation. God spoke in Genesis, let there be light, and light appeared. Abraham, in this story, he had to speak out father of nations, father of many, and that was before he had any children. We have to speak over ourselves, successful businesswoman, great father, great student. I've learned from this story that the Bible is not afraid of prosperity. I know I, for one, would rather prosper than do the opposite, which is to fail. In Genesis 12, God says to Abraham, I will make your name great and you will be a blessing. All the people of the earth will be blessed through you. Prosperity goes wrong when we think it's about us. God says, I'm going to make your name great, but it will be so that you bless others. So what are you talking? When you're facing pain, do you go to your Facebook status or your Insta story or your Snapchat before going to the God who created you? So often we're more public than we realize as Christians. People who don't yet know Jesus look on at our lives and they look on at how we respond to pain. Are you going to the right people with your words? Are you talking it through with people who help you see with eyes of faith? The text goes on to show us more common reactions to pain. Rather than waiting and trusting, God, you've got this. Sarah and Abraham take matters into their own hands. We live in a society that doesn't do waiting well. I love Netflix. I don't know if anyone else has Netflix in here, but when I am at home and I've got some free time, I love watching series on Netflix. And I've got hooked on something called Designated Survivor. If you've not watched it, go watch it. Oh, there's some smiles. People have watched it. Um, Go watch it, because the first series, it's so gripping. I, it was all on Netflix, so I was able to watch it back to back. I didn't have to wait to see what was coming back, but we binged watched it in like two weeks. We watched the whole first series. But now the second series out, we have to wait a whole week for an episode to be released. A whole week, it's so long. And so it ends each time on a cliffhanger. Each episode's like, dun, 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 and you want to know what happens next. And I hate it. I've been like the child. You know when you go on a journey, you've got a child in your car, and they're like, are we nearly there yet? Are we nearly there yet? I've been annoying my husband no end, saying, is it out? Can we watch it yet? Is it Thursday? Is it the day it's released yet? Because I do not do waiting well. But I'm not the only one. Our society doesn't do waiting well. We have online shopping, next day delivery, 24-hour McDonald's, 24-hour Tesco's. We are not used to waiting for anything. But God often asks us to wait. God changes us through the process of waiting. Abraham and Sarah, they didn't wait. I'm sure many of us have done this before. I definitely have. They took matters into their own hands. In Genesis 16, Sarah, she thinks she's got a great idea. She's got a slave whose name is Hagar, and she goes to Abraham and says, the Lord has kept me from having children. Go sleep with my slave. Perhaps I can build a family through her. 
How many of us know that when we stop trusting God and we fix it ourselves, it often goes wrong? But Abraham, he agrees to sleep with his wife's slave. And Hagar, she becomes pregnant. The Bible tells us Sarah began to despise her mistress. I bet Sarah compared herself no end to Hagar. I bet she thought to herself, why is it that she has got my miracle? Why is it that, God, you have blessed her? Why are you not listening to my prayers? Then she goes to her husband, Abraham, and she says, Abraham, you are responsible for the pain I am suffering. Blame is a response we can all have when we face pain. We often blame the people closest to us, whether it be husbands or wives or parents or children or God. The Bible tells us that Sarah ends up mistreating her slave. She ends up mistreating her. And often when we blame people, we end up mistreating them. And then we walk further and further away from God's call on each of our lives to love people. So blame might be a common response to pain, but it's not a helpful one. The next chapter tells us that God spoke again to Abraham. Even after he had taken matters into his own hands, God says, I will bless Sarah and I will surely give you a son by her. I will bless her so that she will be the mother of nations. Abraham laughs back and he says, will a son be born to a man of 100 years old? Just bless Ishmael, the son of Hagar. Just bless the boy I had with my wife's slave. That will be enough. It's like Abraham's given up here. But God goes back and he says, I will bless the son that you had with Hagar and Sarah will become pregnant. And again, Abraham's like, it's okay. Just bless the son of Hagar, Ishmael. It feels to me like Abraham is willing to settle. So the final blank in your notes and the, second, the last sorry, thing that I've learned from this story is that we've got to brave it. Keeping on coming to church when you are facing pain is brave. Coming to the front maybe at the end of a service when you need prayer, that's brave. It takes vulnerability. And something that I shared with our Connect group a few weeks back is one of my biggest fears that I would get to heaven and Jesus say to me, Katie, you did good. You did all right. Good job. But then he'd take me to one side and he'd say, but if only you hadn't settled, Katie. If only you had asked me for a few more things. If only you had showed up a bit more. You could have had this. You could have led your mum to me. You could have seen this healing. You could have done all this. If only you hadn't have settled. If only... And for me, when I get to heaven, I don't want there to be any if-onlys. We have got a limited time on this earth, and we can't let pain steal precious time for God to use us. If we want to fulfill all God has planned for us, we can't settle. We have got to brave it. The good news is with the story of Sarah and Abraham is that they fall pregnant. And they have a little boy who they name Isaac. But just before this happens in the Bible, the text tells us Sarah was afraid. And I've read that and I've reread it and I've kind of circled in my Bible. I'm like, why? This is a lady who, what she has prayed for, what she has asked for is to have a son. This was her miracle. 
And just before it's about to happen, the Bible says she was afraid. I think we can be guilty of praying and believing, but then not moving. Maybe Sarah thought God couldn't do it through her. Maybe she'd seen God work miracles in other people, but had ruled herself out. Maybe she had labeled herself as the lady who can't have children. We can do that. I am the guy who can't get off drugs. I am the lady that stole something. I am the lady that can't have children. We can be known by our own stories rather than being known by God's story. And you might be here today and thinking, Katie, if only you understood my story. If only you understood what I was facing. I don't know all the many stories in this room, but I do know the story of our gods. I know the story of a God who sent his only son to die on earth so that we don't have to face stuff alone, so that we have someone to help us through it. He wants us to go from strength to strength, and so we have got to brave it. I want to tell you some of my story before we finish. Mother's Day for me is not a hard day, but I have days in the year which are. I had a year in my life where I faced three very painful situations. I was 16, and at Christmas time, I was in a car crash. We hit a truck at 90 miles an hour, and we spun across three lanes of a motorway. It ended up that my mum had to be put into a wheelchair, and she was very ill. And for five months, she was at home being cared for. But during those five months, I rebuilt my relationship with my dad. My dad was a guy who I had a hard relationship with. My mom and him weren't together. They got divorced when I was young, and so I had a tough relationship with my dad. But over those five months after the car crash, I rebuilt stuff with my dad. We rebuilt our relationship and our friendship, and he supported me. He was there for me. I wasn't a Christian then, so it really did, when we had the car crash, make me realize how fragile life is. It made me question, what am I going to do with mine? But almost to the day, five months after the car crash, I received a phone call from my uncle saying, Katie, your healthy dad has died. He'd broken his neck, and he had died very suddenly. And I tried to fill the gap with so many things, unhealthy things. I tried to fill the gap that I felt he had left because I wanted to feel loved. But during that time, I had a friend who was a Christian and she really supported me. And I remember calling her one day and saying, I just want to talk to you about this God that you have faith in. And long story short, she ended up leading me to Jesus in her living room in Milton. It was going great. I came to church. I'd found a dad in heaven. I got baptized. I had a church family. Things were great. And then again, six months later, my mum got sick again. She had an epileptic fit and multiple cardiac arrests, and she had to be placed on a life support machine. In fact, Adam Brooks said she was the most poorly person in the hospital. We called family to come and say their goodbyes. And I was heartbroken. I felt real pain. I was angry at God. I blamed God. I couldn't understand why someone who I'd only just met would let this happen to me. 
And at the time, I couldn't understand why me. I would compare myself to friends. I would think, why is it that my friend Alice, all she's caring about is her maths A-level, and I have all this on my plate? And I couldn't understand. But looking back at my pain, I can see all God did in me through those situations. If it was not for the car crash, I may not have rebuilt my relationship with my dad. And if it wasn't for his death, I may not be in church today. So Abraham and Sarah, they got the miracle they prayed for, but sometimes our miracles look different to how we expect. What I've learned from the story of Abraham and Sarah is that although they faced pain, God was beside them the whole way through. Me losing my dad, that was far from a miracle, but it was probably the most significant thing in me finding Jesus, which was a miracle. And so our journeys are going to shape us, they're going to change us. But it will teach us throughout the process that Jesus, I am depending on you whatever my season. God will turn around all our situations for good. God wastes nothing, not even our pain, not even our heartache. Nothing is wasted in the kingdom of God. Band, if you'd like to come up. We're going to sing a song now which has a lot of meaning behind it. I love when listening to songs, looking up the lyrics and what they mean and why they were written. And this song that we're about to sing was written by a guy who lost his baby boy. His baby boy had died in his arms and just days after, he wrote this song. So I'm going to read to you what he says about it. As we held him in our arms and we prayed, we had a choice. To believe God is good all the time, no matter what the outcome. He is and always will be the God of miracles. Oftentimes, as believers, we allow our circumstances to change our perceptions of God. The truth is that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. The journey of faith is full of mystery. My wife and I could be stuck going around in circles, asking God, why did we not see the miracle we hoped for? But instead of doubting God in the face of painful circumstances, we choose to move towards him. We choose to trust him and hold on to him even more tightly. I wrote the song Miracles because more than ever, I needed to remind myself constantly of who God is. The verse and the chorus is simple. The one who put death in its place. His life is flowing through my veins. I believe in you. I believe in you. You are the God of miracles. No matter what your circumstance, God does not change. Through the storm, he remains the same. He is good and he is our comforter. And if you need a miracle in your life, do not lose hope. Continue to believe and have faith to see the impossibilities bow at his name. For our God is the God of miracles. We're going to sing this together as a declaration in a minute. But it is easy to come into worship and praise with your circumstance. It's easy to come carrying stuff. But right now as we declare this, let's say, God, whatever my situation, whatever I'm facing today, you are still the God of miracles. Whether I've got my miracle, whether I've not got it yet. God, you are good, you are faithful, and your love endures forever. You are the God of miracles. So let's stand and declare these lyrics.